0: Let the torch of freedom burn.
1: This is the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wall Builders. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. Thank you to everyone out there. That has been supporting us. Thanks for your contributions. Thanks for sharing the program. You become a force multiplier when you do that, and we appreciate it very much. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach and a former Texas legislator, with the honor of serving here with David and Tim Barton. Tim Barton, National Speaker and Pastor and President of Wall Builders. David Barton, America's Premier Historian and our founder at Wall Builders. You can learn more about all three of us at wallbuilders.com. Wallbuilders.com, that word comes from a scripture in Nehemiah that says, Arise and rebuild the walls that we may no longer be a reproach. That's what our job is, folks. We've got to rebuild the walls right where you live. You've got a job to do, just like where we live. We've got a job to do. Every single one of us has a voice that needs to be heard, and we've got values that must be counted. That means engaging in the process. And when people do that, good things happen. You know, you put good stuff in, you get good stuff out. You put garbage in, you get garbage out. Well, guess what? A lot more Americans are putting good stuff in, and we're getting some good stuff out. And that's why we have Good News Friday here at Wall Builders to share a lot of those good news stories with you. And so speaking of those good news stories and a little pick-me-up at the uh, end of the week here when we get to realize that when you invest in the culture, when you get involved, good things happen. Sometimes it's decades of investing before you see it, and sometimes it happens pretty quick. So I don't even know what David and Tim have in store for us. Let's find out the first piece of good news from
0: David. Going to Florida, and there's been a lot of good news out of Florida this year that comes with leadership. When you have good leadership, you often get good results. And DeSantis has done a great job there, whether it's ESG or whether it's election reform type things. He's just done so well, including on religious liberty. And so this goes back to something that happened eight years ago in Florida. Uh, There was a high school football playoff game and it was between two Christian teams, two Christian high school football teams, and they were not allowed to say a prayer before the playoff game because the playoff game occurred in a state-owned football stadium. And simply because it's state-owned, they were told they could not pray as two Christian teams and the audience is there to say a Christian school competition and that that has gone on for a bit the the lower courts ruled that hey you can't you can't stop that if christian schools want to pray that they can do that but now they have passed a law in florida that not only allows the christian schools to pray they've opened it up for everybody and they have passed a law that says every football game can start with two minutes of comments just whatever those comments are you choose the comments which opens the door for school prayer. So you get to have prayer before even the non-Christian school football games in Florida, if someone wants to pray. Now, it's interesting to me, the Democrats fight that, a voluntary thing. You can say whatever you want. Anybody can say what they want when they're selected to, to open the game with a two-minute comment. And they said, well, you know, there there may be some Christians who try to pray there. And, and think of the, the Jews and the others that don't have, wait a minute. Anybody can, so it's not cutting anybody out. And by the way, why aren't you concerned when you guys talk about the LGBTQIA plus stuff, and I object to that, you don't have any concern over that, you're willing to cram that down my throat. So it is just ironic to me that anything that t- tends to be traditional or, or traditional moral values or traditional religious faith of any kind, and they think that's cramming it down somebody else's throat, but for them to do that agenda, they don't see it that way. So that's the irony, but the good news is they now have the opportunity to have prayer back in football games in Florida. And this is so much of this is as a result of what we've seen in the last few years with the Supreme Court starting to roll back all of that nonsense that we had for 60 years. This is part of the wave that's starting to develop and that you're, you're starting to see uh, a lot more activity at the state legislative level and in, in starting to promote openly religious activities and participation available in religious activities, which is good news. Hey, David, you know, just and I know it's not Foundations
1: of Freedom Thursday, but just just thinking about the foundational principles behind that piece of good news. We had the case. Boy, it's been probably 20 years. The Santa Fe case in Texas where the girl prayed at at, at the football game and, and the way they did it back then was, you know, they elected um, a student and then the student got to do whatever they wanted. Exactly what this Florida law is saying. Hey, you got two minutes. Uh, however, the students choose who they're going to have or whoever the person is, they get to do what they want. From From just a philosophy and and foundational principle thing, that's that's free market of ideas. that's 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 freedom of speech, and we shouldn't be afraid if a Muslim kid gets elected or or you know somebody of a different religion gets elected or they just want to do a poem or whatever instead of uh, of of praying a Christian prayer. That shouldn't bother us, right? I mean we should have we should be okay with that. We should be confident in our faith and allowing other people to express their faith and if and if that that particular faith or that particular viewpoint is popular enough, that the kids elect them, they're going to be the ones that get to uh, lead that thing. So that 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 seems healthy to me rather than just shutting everything down. Am I am I viewing that right, or should we be saying, no, we don't want certain things to be, you know, certain – and I'm not talking about a satanic prayer. That's different. That's dangerous and bad for the community. That's something I think even Jefferson would have said, you know, that subverts the public good. I'm talking about, you know, the, these guys that, that might want to get up and not do a prayer because they're secular, but they just do a poem by Walt Whitman or something like that.
0: Okay, so since you want to get into my second piece of good news now, Uh-oh. I'll do Uh-oh. that and then come back and answer your question. So my second piece of I'll good be sell- news—
1: I'll be selling my crystal ball uh, to the highest bidder on eBay later, uh, later on today.
0: Well, we can't talk about your crystal ball from a biblical standpoint. You're going to be in a lot of trouble with that <laughs> one. You, you did really well before you did the Bible and crystal balls. That, that doesn't go together. That just doesn't work. But whatever you use, the second piece of good news is— that the courts rule that satanic temple can't be considered as a religion Boom. in the sense that what what happens is the satanic temple is, is probably right now more aggressive than Planned Parenthood in suing uh, states that are passing anti-abortion laws. They're saying, look, our religion requires blood sacrifices and abortion meets that ritual of blood sacrifices. And as a religion, uh, this law violates our religious freedom and that you're stopping abortions and we need that for our religion. And... They have done this on several occasions. They have not yet won a single case. Uh, and I think that 10, 15 years ago, they would have won a bunch of cases. So th- there is a definitely a tone change, but that's good news that just because you have a belief doesn't mean it's a religious belief. It has more of a traditional criteria and certainly the Judeo-Christian uh, philosophy that has been in America since its beginning is one that is recognized, should be recognized, should continue to be recognized. And there's other faiths as well, but, but satanic ritual is, is by the court so far not recognized as one. Back to your question on a biblical standpoint, I think that a, a lot of Christians don't even think about a, a verse that they like, and often many of them have a plaque in their house where they, they like Joshua 24:15. as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. And that's a great declaration, but go back and get the rest of that verse in the context. You have Joshua who's taking over from Moses. They've led the children of Israel to the promised land. They're about to go into the promised land. And Joshua really gives them a very clear free market choice. He said, okay, guys, here's the border. We're about to go in. Now you've got a choice. You can serve the, the God of the Amorites into whose land we're about to go. You can serve the God of the Egyptians from whose land we came now, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. So he lays out a choice there, and it's a free market choice that he gives them. Here's what I'm doing. And a lot of Christians choose that part of the verse, which is really good, and, and we do choose the Lord. But we also need to remember that they had a choice even way back in Old Testament times. And in the same way, the other example I'd point to is Elijah, when he confronts the prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel. He's got He's outnumbered 850 to 1. He's outnumbered 400 false prophets, 450 prophets of Baal. He said, "Guys, let's have a competition and see whose prayer God answers. You guys pray as long as you want, pray as often as you want, do whatever you want with that prayer. You just make sure I get my shot." And of course, he won when it came to that competition. But that was again open and free market. Well, let's also point out that the end of the story of Elijah winning was the execution <laughs> yeah. of all of the false prophets.
2: Yeah. So, like even yeah. this notion, you know, obviously, the, the reason the founding fathers even with the freedom of religion is that's a biblical notion. God's always given people a choice. But it doesn't remove consequences for actions. And what we used to recognize in America is you have the freedom to choose things, but we still put certain limitations and bans uh, and even criminalize certain activity and behavior, recognizing that those were negative things, negative consequences. And this is certainly when you look at at some of the satanic things, the, the notion of what's being promoted today with these satanic temples and these satanic clubs, Uh, being open in some of these schools where they're trying to advertise for kids to come and join these Satan groups and movements. There's no way that would have happened back in early America or the founding era because that was still at a time where adultery was against the law and you could be put to death for adultery in the early American days. There was no way they were letting this Satan stuff happen. And I'm saying that to give context that as we look even at the notion of freedom, they didn't believe in freedom without boundaries and limitations. And that's also not a biblical idea that there was always freedom to choose, but there was always consequences for choices. And sometimes those consequences were very negative if you went the wrong way. But the reality not taken away from the good news we are talking about with a
0: lot of positive things happening. And Rick, I, I got to throw one more in because... The way you set this up. Wow, Tim, that's th- that's three in a row for David. And
1: uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, well, I mean, he's the boss. All right. No, 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 I think we set you up with uh, three like-minded
0: uh, good news or like-categoried good news, whatever it might be. Well, one goes back to, and you were talking about, shouldn't people be okay with some competition, free market stuff? Why are they threatened by, by Christian kind of stuff? And that tends to be really a mantra of progressives and secularists. Uh, they're threatened by—they they accuse us of trying to establish a theocracy, and they're the ones trying to establish a secular theocracy. They're threatened by our speech, and, you know, we, we've we got a free market. But this goes to a, a court decision where a federal judge has just ruled that the Biden administration cannot collaborate with big media to censor viewpoints they don't like. And this has been the, the federal government. The administration has been working with all these large platforms and saying, hey, Take down these guys, block these guys, take these messages off. This is the stuff we don't want to see. And the federal court said you can't do that. Here's what I find amazing: instead of just recognizing a free market, a free speech, let let the platforms be out there, have your viewpoints. If it's you know whatever it is, the Biden administration is appealing that decision, saying, "Wait a minute, it's really important that we be able to censor viewpoints." And, and so. That's just an amazing acknowledgement on their part that they don't like free market competition. They don't like people saying things that would compete and give people a choice. And, and that's, again, a, a big indication of this is something that Judeo-Christian faith has brought, biblical faith has brought a lot of freedom in a lot of ways. A secular progressive community brings a lot of oppression and kills and cancels a lot of that. a lot of the freedom that we're used to. So they usually accuse us of exactly what they're doing and people don't think about that, and so we get this brand of Christian nationalists. We're trying to establish a theocracy. No, no, no. They're the ones doing the theocracy, and it's a secular theocracy, and it does not have freedom or liberty as part of it.
1: Yeah, the difference in a in a Christian society, in a society where the, where the Bible prevails in terms of the level of freedom, versus a secular society where you begin to lose all those freedoms. Uh, boy, that used to be something we would teach in our schools. Even it's why it's so important for churches to talk about this stuff, and for individuals to talk to their friends and family about it. Um, that's the only way this education is going to come back uh, about these basic principles and the different the difference in what you get in the culture if if uh, if the Bible's infused or if it's not. All right, Tim, I think you should get to do at least one good news story before we go to break, man. I appreciate it. So at the top of my stack, I have one that is highlighting some of
2: the blowback from uh, Target's campaign back in June and what was known as Pride Month, which you know, guys, we we've talked about the irony when you are having a month celebrating like the notion of pride is already a sinful notion right that the bible tells us that god opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble so when you're saying we're this is pride month right where we're prideful in what we're doing that you're already on the wrong side and then when you are promoting things that are very clearly violations of basic biblical standards and even things that are contrary to what has become the norm in western civilization for thousands of years nonetheless one of the things that's interesting is there's a, a group of attorneys general being led by the Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita, and they are are, are looking at potentially bringing lawsuits against Target for part of what happened. Now, this is certainly part of the blowback, uh, and I think it could be an interesting discussion on some level that you know Target, if they would have realized what this was going to do, they might not have done it to the extent they did because they're promoting an agenda, sure, but they they thought they would still make money. They thought, they thought they could be woke and get away with it. And Bud Light and Target are some of the first ones that have really paid these heavy prices for being woke, where the slogan, Go Woke, Go Broke, actually is starting to become a reality in some of these now instances. But the the attorney generals have come together and, and they identified uh, that there was uh, not only issues with this, this Pride Month, potential harm to minors. What they identify quickly is there could be a uh, a, a violation of uh, the state's economic interests uh, as target shareholders, which I think is super interesting. Uh, but then they do get into the details of, the, could there be a violation of the state's child protection and parental rights laws? They're reviewing that right now. And I, I, you know, I, I don't know that a lot's going to come from this, but even if it's nothing more than a shot across the bow, it is awesome that we finally have some some attorneys general, some, some conservative leaders who are upholding a standard, a moral standard, and are at at the very minimum putting a company on warning that this is not acceptable behavior. And hopefully it's an example to every other major corporation out there not to embrace this wokeism and go the direction of Bud Light and Target, which uh, this is aside from the good news portion we're talking about. But I saw Bud Light has uh, recently employed Ken Griffey Jr. uh, to be a, a face, a celebratory uh, Bud Light they're coming out with and I, I, this this was not revealed in the article I was reading about it uh, but I'm very curious what they had to pay him as they are trying to do recovery like full scale right just stop the bleed as much as possible that you're having to now go back to people who were dearly loved who are not controversial who've been nowhere near anything woke and who take you back to the days of when sports was actually sports Right with Ken Griffey Jr. when he was just this amazing hitter and a Golden Glove or whatever you know whatever all these accolades and awards were that he won, an incredible athlete. But to see Bud Light reeling like this, and now to see these attorneys generals coming out against Target, it's it's very encouraging to me what we've seen over the last couple of months.
1: Really good stuff. And and you know my uh, my advice to Bud Light if you can if you can put enough money together to hire Kid Rock to now endorse you after it was his viral video shooting up all your cans. Ah, uh, you might you might have a chance. You might have a chance. But Ken Griffey Jr. very good find for them and uh, like you said, very beloved American. So, good stuff. Good stuff. A lot lots more good news for you folks. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wall Builders. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us on Wall Builders. More good news coming your way. You know, as as uh, as, as as kind of the, the, the um, driver here, I got to decide. I got to decide. David had three pieces of good news. Tim only had one. Do I go back to Tim or do I go back to David? Wait, wait, I got to pull out my check. Oh, wait, Tim signs mine. No, Cheryl signs my check. Never mind. Cheryl's not here, so I get to toss a coin. It's Tim. I think Tim should get another one. Tim, you got one handy? I do. So, okay.
2: This, this one to me is, is intriguing. Uh, the headline says Trump pledges tariffs, stop and frisk and ban on gender affirming care. Here's what else he's promising if elected in 2024. this came out in Forbes and this came out just uh, actually at maybe or the beginning of this week. Uh, and, and, and Trump is, is trying to be very clear that he is going to be very conservative if he gets to be the president a second time. And, and, and looking at what he's saying related to tariffs and, and really even cutting off trade. Now, actually, the Santas came out and said cutting off trade with China. But uh, Trump said uh, limiting trade with India and China and any other country, imposing a 100 percent, 200 percent tariff, uh, uh, dealing with what's happening in those nations. Uh, birthright citizenship. Uh, he said that he would look at doing uh, pardons for some of those January 6th political prisoners. Uh, Some of those who at this point, to our knowledge, have not even uh, gone before a judge, haven't had the accusations, haven't gone to trial, had their their basic due process rights revoked because of what was called an insurrection. Uh, He said he would go back to a mandatory stop and frisk, uh, and this would be required in police departments nationwide. Uh, He uh, said that he would work with Congress uh, to pass legislation to punish doctors who provide gender, quote unquote, gender affirming care to minors. Uh, he got into critical race theory and he said that he would cut funding for schools. And, and, and so this is a, a Forbes uh, article just outlining all the things he said he would do. And, and there is a, a very long list of this. And the reason I think it's interesting is one of the, the things that we have talked about is when you look at President Trump, when it, his, his presidential uh, term, He had a lot of really conservative leaders around him, many of them that we were friends with, that we know very well. And we know they gave him a lot of guidance and a lot of insight on things that the the political landscape was very new for Trump. And because of the fallout of January 6th, um, Trump was really abandoned by some people. He was really offended at other people. And so many of those relationships have blown up. And we've kind of asked the question, how conservative will he be? And I think it's still a little bit yet to be determined. But one of the things that has has been pretty consistent with President Trump is when he said he was going to do something, he he by and large worked to make that happen. Now, sometimes he worked to make it happen by assigning somebody over something who didn't do a great job. But he he seemed to be a president who more than Presidents we've had in several uh, of our more recent examples in the last several decades. He has seemed to be someone who's kept a lot of his promises. And so to me, this is very encouraging. Some of the, the positions he is saying he will hold as president that, you know, again, he might not be our first choice uh, necessarily. We don't have to get into that a lot right now. But and it's something that if, if he gets a nomination, right, if he's a Republican candidate then it would become very clear based on the policy of the two parties. Like, this is the guy who needs to win. And you can have some great debates about, is, is he the best candidate right now? Uh, and certainly, he's got a track record that's very positive, And yet, he has a lot of baggage. And uh, there, at times, there seems to be a self-destruct button along the way. But, you know, anyway, a lot of interesting conversation can be had surrounding this. But the fact that he's coming out with some of these more policy-related positions and they are extremely conservative— is very encouraging to me. And I think it's going to re- really require all of the other Republican candidates to come out with something similar, which means it's just raising the bar across the board or is what it is likely to do, which, again, to me is very encouraging.
1: Yeah, man, I, I think, Tim, you're right on. And, I, and and maybe part of what you're saying, too, is it's because of some of these candidates like DeSantis, right, because of what he did in Florida and actually got done, as, as David was talking about earlier, um you know that's forcing in some ways trump to do this and and i guess the big question is going to be you, you know does he stay true to that which he has a track record of doing right stay he did like you said he did in office what he said he was going to do and so if he knows he needs to make those promises to get reelected um, then and he makes them. I, I I think he'll follow through on those and um, so yeah, we'll we'll see but uh, very, very good news that he's taking those positions and, and even like you said with the J6 guys and gals, I was just with a with a with the praying grandma that uh, that the DOJ is going after who, who just simply you know walked the grounds and, and prayed. And went into the Capitol, but literally like praying for the Capitol and everything else. And that's still the kind of people they're going after. And I think those are the kind of people that he will pardon, uh, which I I believe should be at at this point for sure. Uh, All right, David, uh, final piece of good news. Maybe, I don't know, we might get two in.
0: We'll we'll see. Go for it, brother. This is a proposal. You you guys are going to have to tell me which presidential candidate made this proposal, but it deals with immigration services. And so immigration services, the proposal is that there be more English proficiency required in all immigrants coming in that they have to demonstrate their English proficiency at a higher level than is required right now. Right now, uh, they simply have to answer some some words in English or, or questions in English that they've already filled out on their test, like their address, their name, that kind of stuff. So the proposal is, hey, let's hold up pictures of things from daily life and have them describe those pictures in English. Let's have them talk about services that that, that happen in a community and have them describe that in English And and in addition to that, in addition to to doing that, let's also have more questions related to civics and government and have them answer it in English. So it's a whole lot more English proposal kind of things that that they want to see more English proficiency among the the immigrants coming in, which is a very conservative idea. And I kind of cheated on you. I I wanted you to tell me which candidate. I'm not going to make you answer that so you don't get embarrassed. This actually is a proposal from the George Washington. Yeah, yeah there you go. Well, actually, was, I, was, I was, was
1: stuck on the fact that David actually pulled back a question so we wouldn't get embarrassed to him. That's the first time ever.
2: <laughs> this is the only
0: time he's cared about not embarrassing us. This is what, I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> well, it's so you can be shocked and surprised. Okay. Uh, th- this proposal actually comes from the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. So it's the immigration bureaucracy itself. That wow. is recommending more, and I, I I haven't heard a candidate say that, but for the bureaucracy to say that? So let me clarify. The reason he
2: didn't ask the question is he said, what president? And it wasn't a president. That's why there he was not hear it
1: So he knew we couldn't get it right. He asked <laughs> the wrong question. That's why it was pulled back. I got it. I got it. I, I think just based on that fake news, the way the question was asked, uh, that Tim should get to give the last piece of good news if he's got a fast one. <laughs>
2: I definitely can find something. Uh, this is uh, where the, the next headline is uh, where we're seeing a little blowback from Ben and Jerry's who on 4th of July came out uh, and said that oh, yes. you know America stole the land and we need to give all this land back to the natives. Uh, come to find out that there's an indigenous chief who wants uh, Ben and Jerry's headquarters land <laughs> that he claims was stolen land given back to the native tribes. So this is a, to me, a great headline uh, and really just story in general. When you see the, the, the woke position and one of the things that we've have talked about, we have uh, seen people discuss before is how the woke will eat their own. And this is, I mean, literally when you, I mean, you know, Ben and Jerry's, when they're coming out and saying, hey, all this stolen land, we should be giving it back come to find out that your headquarters is on a piece that arguably was stolen and now they're wanting it back. And you're like, oh, hey, about that, like our bad, we're going to go ahead and keep this land anyway. Uh, it's at least in my mind, very good news that some of these individuals are having to deal on some level with the consequences of their ridiculous statements and policy and not ridiculous. Say if something was stolen, you should give it back. Like the biblical perspective is if you steal something, you repay sevenfold what was stolen. That's a biblical perspective. But the idea that we're saying all of America was stolen, and right, it's just it's buying into some of these faulty narratives that is not correct. So it's great to see blowback, and it's great to see them dealing with this. I love it.
1: All right, our final piece of good news is that the uh, the left eats their own ice cream. That's right, they do. They eat their own ice cream, so they eat a lot of Ben & Jerry's ice cream. But this is hilarious to me that they called for everybody to get the land back, and now people are calling for their land. I love it. I love it. All right, folks, we're out of time for today. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Wall Builders. It's been Good News Friday.
2: And i never.